to the house of the Lord. Amen. Go ahead and find a seat. We're going to go ahead and get started in just a minute. We have three very short announcements this evening. They're the same ones, so it's a reminder. You should already know, but if you have any questions, please ask Pastor Kylan because these are important. Um, the first one is for our Vacation Bible School that's coming up. It's going to be June 26th through the 28th. So that's a Monday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Um, please sign up in the back in the little table if you're interested. We need volunteers, and we would love for your help. Um, we also have a youth camp thing on the billboard back there. I was trying to... Yeah, it's about the summer youth camp. I was trying to think of what it's called. It's like a poster, but you can scan it. That's going to be in July, the 21st through the 23rd. So you still have some time on that, but go take a look so you can be prepared. And then lastly, we have our picnic coming up July 10th. It's at the Miller's Barn, and that's going to be right after service. So clear your schedule for that Sunday, and I'm sure we'll have some delicious food and, of course, great fellowship. So put that on your calendars. All right, well, with that being said, those are all the announcements. We're going to go ahead and worship our king tonight, but let's just pray and we'll get started. So, Holy Spirit, we just thank you. We thank you for your companionship. And we thank you for your love. Lord, we just lift your name high tonight. We are here to praise you and to honor you and to give you the glory that you deserve. Thank you for this house and for everyone that's here. God, we thank you for the live stream that have tuned in tonight. We are happy to have you. Lord, have your way in this house tonight. May every person that's here, God, have a place for you tonight in their minds, in their hearts. Lord, we thank you that you want to be with us. And we love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. And all I did was 
Together, 
much better this way.
this evening. Go around and greet your family of faith.
right, it is good to have you. They're checking kids into kids' church, so we'll give them a check in to do that and get back up here for tithing offering. But while they're doing that, I do have a couple initial or additional announcements. I'm sorry. Um, this Saturday, there is a nursing home visit at uh, Urbana Place at 10 a.m. And Miss Vinny's heading that up. Where is Vinny? She, I know she, oh, she's back there talking to Pat. Well, everybody knows who Vinny is here. So if you have questions about that, see Vinny. She has no idea I'm pumping her up right now. Vinny does a great job. How many of y'all are happy for Vinny? She totally missed that whole thing. Anyways, uh, see Vinny if you have questions about it. I know. And then also, uh, Sycamore House. They have an annual uh, kind of a collection drive. And what you can do is at the back door, there's a, a, a basket back there that has these baby bottles in it. And the drive is to, to fill the baby bottles with change and bring it back and they'll collect it and take it back to the Sycamore House. So it's a fundraiser for them. And uh, so it's always a good thing to be a part of what the Sycamore House is doing. We support them, but we want to additionally support them. So go ahead and take one of those home and fill it with change. I, you probably have enough change laying in your car somewhere to fill at least a quarter way right here. Dig down in the seats, then go to, the, go to your couch in the living room. And there's probably some change in there along with some food that you, oh man, food, you got a snack while you're digging around and all sorts of stuff in your couch. Um, anyways, I bet in your house right now you could probably almost fill this thing up. So anyways, go ahead and fill those out and bring them back and, and we'll uh, uh, collect them as uh, soon as possible. I think, we're, I think we're a little behind on this, but uh, do it as soon as possible and get these back. Here, Margo, catch this. We can take this one home. Um, so tithe and offering, if you have something, give them a prayer. But Lord, I thank you uh, for being in your house and worship and praise and, and just an opportunity to come with uh, the believers and the fellowship of believers. And I thank you, Lord, for uh, the opportunity to come here tonight. Lord, as, as we give together, we give in unity because we are unified in our belief that you are our provider. And one way that we respond to that is in our giving of our tithe and our offering to the in increase of our life that brings a response back to you for it is holy unto you and we thank you for your provision i pray as we give tonight uh, that we are counted among those who are uh, among those who sow and you always provide seed for the sower and we believe that in jesus name everybody says amen, amen. so if you have it bring it i understand we're about five degrees warm in here tonight but we'll survive uh, if you want to know something we're discovering about our building is if you sit right in the middle of it, there's a dead spot, and that's where it's the hottest. So slide back or slide up, and you'll be fine. Uh, if, there are some fans running, so if you sit on the floor, catch that fan, yeah, I'm okay with that too. How many of y'all grew up in a school that didn't have air conditioning on super hot days, they made you sit on the floor for a while? You remember that? You're welcome to do that tonight if you feel like it. You will not hurt my feelings, okay? Now, if you lay down, I might have something to say, but as long as you're sitting there. I'm kidding. You do whatever you want. All right, get your Bibles out. We are starting a new series that I believe is going to take us a while. I believe we'll probably still be dealing with this in August, so we're going to be in this for a little while. We're going to do a little bit of a walkthrough of the book of Romans. Uh, Romans being the great, considered the greatest letter uh, of the Apostle Paul. And we're not going to do a verse-by-verse walkthrough, maybe chapter highlights, 
but I do know as you get into Romans and have to deal with some uh, specific things of it, you sort of almost end up doing a lot of verse by verse. So we'll take this as it comes, and, and uh, pretty much I've just been preparing a long sermon, and we'll just chunk through it as, as we go, as we find good spots to stop each Wednesday. So if you got your Bibles, open up to the book of Romans. I'm just going to read the first seven verses, and then I'm going to take some time and do a little bit of an introduction to the book of Romans, give you some background to it, some study uh, that, that, that I put together a little bit, just some different readings and, and things I was checking out. But, and then I think we'll maybe see what time it is at the end of that. We'll maybe uh, get into chapter one, maybe halfway through chapter one and, and call it a night. But Romans chapter one, and verse number one said, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. We, wouldn't, wouldn't you like to be able to say, I've been set apart for the gospel of God? Wouldn't that be something to know that and to live that? I set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received the grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you, who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. So to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God, our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Pa Paul often puts these pretty uh, dense and, and uh, meaningful openings to the letters that he writes. And, and uh, you know, question, did Paul uh, write it or, or he dictated or scribe, writes it down for him, whatever the case may be. Uh, Paul identifies himself, then identifies his hearer to all in Rome, the churches in Rome, and uh, kind of, in a certain way, lays out a little bit what this letter is going to end up being about. We'll talk about that in a second. So Romans um, was written by Paul in anticipation of a possible, uh, a possible visit to Rome, okay? Uh, and you see that in, in different places in the letter. He, he sort of mentions it. So for a long time, Paul had desired to visit Rome and to visit the churches in Rome, but also to take the gospel to Rome itself. But in his interest to go there, it had been delayed, often delayed for Paul. So Paul actually writes the book of Romans from Corinth. And if you know the letters, First and Second Corinthians, okay. So Paul was in Corinth, and he writes the Roman letter in an advance of a visit to Rome by Paul. Um, and by the way, he is in the hospitality of a guy named Gaius. Uh, chapter 16, he mentions that Gaius is also mentioned in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. But he's in the hospitality of a man named Gaius, so that's where he's staying, which is in Corinth, so this is where he writes uh, the letter. So the letter of, of, of Romans were written in the mid-50s somewhere. Okay, so if you think... Again, a loose timeline, Jesus, his resurrection and ascension in the, in the early 30s somewhere. Paul writes the book of Romans in the mid-50s, kind of give you a, a little timeline on that. 
Um, and by the way, as you'll see in the beginning of chapter 16, a woman named Phoebe actually was the carrier of the letter to Rome. And there, there's some interesting tensions we find in Romans 16 with some things he says about some ladies in there versus some places, other places he says about women not teaching and things like this. We find an interesting tension, uh, which we'll, we'll maybe talk about some of that stuff when we get to Romans 16. But Phoebe carries the letter, and she serves as a, a sort of an ambassador for Paul to the Roman churches with this letter. And what's interesting about letter carriers is the letter carrier so in other words, Paul did not take the letter there himself. So Phoebe was US mail, okay? And hopefully she was more time efficient than, okay, I won't talk about that. Anyways, so uh, Phoebe carries the letter, and often the carrier of the letter stayed to see that the effects of the letter were being carried out in the churches of where the letter was taken, and, and often would be the one that had the authority to explain the letter in more detail, answer questions about it. So it creates some interesting things about ladies that, that will jump in on Romans 16. So Phoebe carried the letter. Um, uh, now, the church in Rome itself, there is no kind of written history of how that church was actually founded. It wasn't like, well, this certain apostle was there and did some preaching there and there were some signs and wonders and then this, this church was founded in Rome. It kind of spread in Rome. There, there's no account of how the church in Rome was started, um, but possibly some Jewish Christians emigrated there and, and they think that the church started to flourish a little bit in the 30s and 40s after Jesus' ascension. It wasn't too long until the message had spread to Rome and these churches are being founded in Rome. Um, but what's interesting is it actually caused an issue with Jewish people that lived in Rome. And we know this because uh, somewhere uh, in the 40s, maybe early 50s, the Roman Emperor Claudius expelled some of them that had come. He, he threw them out of Rome and because it was causing issues and he's just not having it. So he throws Jewish people out of Rome, possibly in part because the Christianity was starting to come in and cause issues with Jewish people believing there's a Messiah versus, you know, the ones that don't accept it and, and all the business that happens because of that. Now, that, that actually serves as possibly a little bit of a backdrop of what Paul starts to deal with in his letter because it's possible that some of those started to emigrate back to Rome. And as Paul often does in his letters, is he's often dealing with issues between Gentile Christians, Jewish Christians, and Jews, and fellowship together, eating food together, and all the business that comes up because of the law and, and things like that. And Paul's always dealing with these Galatians, different parts of his letters. We see Acts 15's account of some of this stuff happening. But Paul is always dealing with that kind of stuff. And certainly one of the main themes we find in Romans is Paul is dealing with some of these issues. Now, um, by the way, it is in tradition that both Paul and Peter were both martyred in Rome in the 60s somewhere. So, so this, is, this is pretty much 10 years or so before Paul was eventually martyred, okay, that he writes this letter. Now, Paul is writing to initially, it seems, the, the Gentile believers in Rome. 
but, but he knows that there's also going to be a Jewish audience to his letter. So what you'll find, is, especially as, as we get into chapter 2 and 3, is that he kind of goes back and forth who he's sort of directly addressing by things that he's saying. Um, now, in that again, Paul is very diplomatic in the way that he deals with the law in Romans, as opposed to, let's say, Galatians, where he's not diplomatic at all. So I heard somebody say this. I don't know if it was N.T. right? I'm not sure. Maybe it was Michael Byrd. I'm not sure what I was studying. He says, it's almost like you picture Galatians. Paul's mad. And he's sort of pacing back and forth, dictating Galatians. And he's mad about the Judaizers trying to make the Gentile believers come under the law and all that kind of stuff. He's just, he's just, he's not happy about it. So Galatians comes off real short and curt, while, while Paul deals with the same issues more, in a much more diplomatic way in the book of Romans. So, again, it's considered the greatest of Paul's letters. So Paul anticipates that he's going to make a trip to Spain and stop in Rome on the way. So he writes this letter in anticipation of that trip. And, and what he's doing is he wants to make sure that the Roman churches are all on the same page of what it means to be saved and what the gospel really is. That, that's sort of the, the main thrust of the letter. Um, Paul also, I, I think it's been said that maybe he's sort of hoping to establish some sort of an outpost in Rome as a place that he can sort of camp in as he goes to Spain. He, he looks for uh, support from the Roman churches maybe for that venture. It's interesting, in chapter 15, he asks for safety from opposition. So what he was doing, he was making a collection, and he was taking that collection back to the churches in Jerusalem for uh, the help of the poor and, and, and the orphan and the widow and those in need. And there were being threats made on him. So in chapter 15, he actually asked for prayers for protections. He does that. But he's planning on, after he does that, to head to Spain and stop to Rome on the way of his travels. Now, uh, again, tensions between Jewish believers, Gentile believers, and maybe even Jews themselves that, that are not believers in Jesus, but they do follow the law. He deals with some of these things in the letter. But Paul lays out a very comprehensive understanding of salvation, supported, by the way, of, with Old Testament scripture. In other words, justification by faith and life in Christ. These things are big picture themes of the book of Romans. Now, Romans chapter 1, let's, let's just get back into the Bible here. So I, I want to jump in and, and, and go for a little bit into chapter 1. So that's sort of a background of what's happening. Uh, Paul... Uh, Based on chapter 16, he, he knows a bunch of people there, but how aware is he of everything that's happening in churches in Rome? It's in question, but he knows enough to address the things that he addresses in this letter. So let's go back. Romans chapter 1 and verse number 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, <clears throat> called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Now that is a key thing to remember, because we, we're going to come back to that, that he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So anytime in the New Testament you hear them talking about the Scriptures, they're talking about what we call the Old Testament, because the New Testament didn't exist. 
That makes sense? So when he talks about the scriptures, he's referring to the Old Testament, and he's laying out that through the prophets of the Holy Scripture, there is the promise of the gospel that has been set forth. So the gospel has always been promised. The gospel doesn't come because the original plan failed. The gospel, Jesus coming, is not plan B or plan C or plan D. It has been the plan from the beginning. So everything that we read in the Old Testament, uh, because those things cannot be the fullness because they fall short, are fulfilled in Jesus, but that was the plan the whole time. See what I'm saying? And there was a promise. I, I like that word promise there. When you promise something, if you're good to your word, that means take it to the bank. No, no doubt about it. This is going to happen. And how many know God's true to his word? And we start to see in the prophets, and, and, and certainly the law and, and the prophets, as we know, Jesus fulfilled them, right? He brings them to completion. The promise of the prophets is setting that there is something going to come that's going to bring the fulfillment of the plan of God. And we know that is in Jesus. That was the plan all along. Let's keep reading here. Now watch, and then he goes in, and who is descended from David according to the flesh. So Paul makes a point to bring the importance of covenant and lineage to the fulfillment of Jesus and what he brings. So he, he's going to draw back and, and, and for his, his readers and listeners to know that it's not only the prophets said it, but even in the lineage of David, this is coming. So in other words, the fulfillment of all these things that you have had before and heard before, and even for some of you that lived, the fulfillment was promised in the fullness of what had been before. Now, grace and peace to you. Let's find where that's at. Verse 7, so to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, Paul often uses this kind of language in his letters. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I want to make a note, and I know I've been saying this a little bit lately. Can we be people who live like this? This kind of stuff is just not wordy words from Paul. Well, I'm going to write a letter. Okay, write this down. I'm just going to fill it because I want my letter to be at least 16 chapters long. So he starts being wordy in there. Just he means what he's writing. Can, can we be people who, as we walk this earth, can be the people that can be grace to you and peace from our God? And from, can we be people that offer that? Can you imagine living your life each day with perspective that today, I don't know what lies ahead of me, but I'm going to be a person that offers grace and peace of my Father in heaven through me to other people. Can you be that way? That, that your life is like a letter, as if the Apostle Paul wrote it himself on you. 
that you're the carrier of grace and peace to those we interact with on a daily basis. What about my day? Okay, but you understand God's with you, but maybe the other person does not. But what about my day? You believe that you can overcome anything because we're conquerors in him, but the person you're interacting with may not. Maybe an outward look at times allows us to be people who bring grace and peace to our world because this is what our world needs. Right? Amen. There should be a resounding amen in the house to that. There you go. Thank you. So, again, not trying to get verse by verse here. So let, let's jump down to verse number 14. And I encourage you, as we go through this over the next several weeks, take time to read Romans. I, I would encourage you, by the way, to mark out some time to read Romans from the start to the finish. It'll take you a while because it's how we divide it up is 16 chapters because it was read that way. They, they, when Phoebe brought the letter, if she was the first one to read it before it started getting copied and passed around, she didn't say, okay, everybody, hey, we're going to uh, go to Romans chapter 1 and start in verse number 1, and we'll stop in chapter 2, verse number 15. They didn't have all that business. It was a letter. And Phoebe initially, or whoever she gave, would have got up and read it from the start to the finish, and the people would have sat there and listened intently because the, the uh, reputation of the Apostle Paul would have came with it, and they wouldn't want to hear what it had to say. So, so don't, don't, see, often, often uh, with me, I teach topically, if that makes sense. But you can get in a bad habit doing that by just picking out certain things and taking out of context and all that business. So you've got to learn how to take the Bible in its context. So I'll encourage you sometime during the series, read Romans 1 through 16. Take the time to do it. And then come back and kind of go through it as we're going through it. So anyways, verse number 14. Paul says, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians. So he's covering the whole Gentile business right there. Both to the wise and to the foolish. And what is his obligation? Well, it goes back to the very beginning. Paul, servant of, of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. So he is called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, and in that he's under obligation to the Gentiles, both considered wise and foolish. Why? So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. So Paul's major thrust, even though he deals with all sorts of stuff in all his letters, his major thrust is taking the gospel to the world. Can we also be people like that? Can I challenge you there? That in all the business we take care of in our world, let, let a thrust of our life be that we take the gospel to the world. And, and we'll see Paul's definition of the gospel as we head on through the book of Romans. And I like how he says he's eager to do it. Now, let me ask you a question. If you read through Paul and his letters, right? So, so in my personal time, I was just reading in, in 2 Corinthians. 
this week. And in there, he's talking about the stuff. He said, look, let me just tell you a little bit what I've been through. I'm not going to boast in it, but maybe I should, just so you understand. I've been under the lashes 40 minus one like three times. I've been stoned. I've been shipwrecked this many times. He, he lays out this list of business that happened to him because he takes the gospel to the world. But yet, Paul, knowing at times his life is in danger, he still says, but I'm still eager to take the gospel. And he doesn't even know what's awaiting him when he takes the collection back to Jerusalem. Remember, he prayed, he asked, pray, pray for me, for my protection. And what's going to await him in Rome, and if he eventually gets to Spain, if he, if he lays out his plans and actually carries them out, he doesn't know what's going to happen to him. Of course, we know that he was martyred in the 60s somewhere. But yet he never lost the zeal to be eager to take the gospel to the world. Amen. You see that? I, so I, I just pray, Lord, Lord, make us people that are eager to take the gospel who are people that, that take grace and peace and bestow it towards other people. Make us that way. Okay. So he says, I'm, I'm eager, verse 15, to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Now watch this. Verses 16 and 17 are kind of like the thesis of the letter. This is, this is kind of like an upfront point about what he's going to tear apart the rest of the way here. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. So what, why is Paul eager to preach the gospel? He's not ashamed of it. He has no reservation about what he believes. Amen. My goodness. That, that again, we would be people who would stay in the same way. I am not ashamed of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's Paul. That's why he's eager to take the gospel of the world. He's not ashamed of what he believes. But, but why is he not ashamed of it? Watch this. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first, and also to the Greek or the Gentile. For in it the righteousness of God, or the faithfulness of God, the, the justness of God is revealed from faith to faith, for as it is written, the righteous shall live by what? Faith. Now, here's a theme of, of, of Romans. The righteous will live by faith. Now, he draws that from Habakkuk, okay? Or Habakkuk, however you want to say it. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse number 4, and the righteous shall live by faith. And, and Habakkuk is an interesting book, a prophet, one of the minor prophets in the Old Testament, it's sort of a back and forth between God and the prophet Habakkuk. And, and Habakkuk is complaining, and God responds. And he complains, and God responds. It's this, it's this business about all the, all the terrible things of the world, and, and Babylon's so terrible. And God ultimately says, look, all nations will end up like them, and they will be judged by it. But the righteous live by faith. Now, remember when Paul, back in... in Verse number two, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. You get down to verse 17, for it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And Paul is using one of the examples of the Holy Prophets to back up what he just said. So he's, that's a connection there. So the prophets 
promise, a way of living with God that brings justification and righteousness and salvation. And it is by those who live by faith. And then we're going to see how he tears into the law and different things as we go forward. But this is the theme of, of the book of Romans, kind of the thesis. He's eager to preach the gospel. He's not ashamed of it because it is the power of God for salvation to who? To everyone. Here's another theme you find in, in, the, in the book of Romans. God shows no favoritism. It's going to come up again and again. There, there is a profit to, to uh, being a Jew, but God shows no favoritism that the Gentiles don't come in. You see, there's no favoritism. It is for everyone who believes. Now, let me just uh, jump in on, on this whole to the Jew first and, and then uh, the Gentile. See, in other words, Paul is saying that the benefit of the Jewish people who were called out of a lost world to be his people and trusted as the people of God, who brought forth salvation, did they not? Who did Jesus come from? The Jews. He's Jewish, right? Let me, let me, let me, let me reset something in your brain. Jesus was not a white, middle-class American citizen. Can I just say that? He's Jewish, and he is the promise of the seed of Abraham that will bless all the nations of the world. You believe that a Jewish carpenter was the son of God who eventually died on the cross and rose from the dead. Amen. And it was that was entrusted to those he called out. So uh, there is a benefit of salvation to the Jew first. In other words, God does not pass up his chosen people. Okay? And, and, and we're going to explain why Paul makes these things because of how the, the, the Gentiles and, and the Jewish Christians were having some issues. Okay, so we'll, he's, he's bringing up some points here that we'll talk about more later. But remember when Jesus, he was sent to the lost sheep of who? Israel. So salvation first for the Jews, but it doesn't stop there because God didn't show favoritism. And then it goes to the Gentiles. Amen. So God doesn't pass by his chosen people, but in that God does not show favoritism. As a matter of fact, what we'll see in chapter 2, that this comes up again first for the Jews and for the Gentile, again in salvation, but also judgment. Judgment first for the Jew and then for the Gentile, but there's no favoritism in salvation or judgment. Everybody falls under those things in God and who he is as a just God. So in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. Now, in other words, the righteousness of God is disclosed or given by the gospel. Not just in revelation, but also in the action of God in Jesus and then afterwards the activity of the Holy Spirit. What is righteousness? Let, let me... Uh, Put a little definition because righteousness comes up a lot in the book of Romans. Righteousness is the way God acts. 
Righteousness is the way that he keeps covenant in faithfulness in spite of the unfaithfulness of the people that he's in covenant with. Righteousness of God also is faithfulness to covenant. And that, that comes up a little bit in the book of Romans. In other words, God is righteous in how he interacts with people in faithfulness to what he has said. And of course, then it also uh, comes in connotations in relation to people. In other words, coming into right relation with God. So covenant faithfulness, that God is faithful, that allows man to then come into right relation with him. Righteousness, right, right relations. Okay? But notice it is a righteousness that is by what? Faith. What is faith? Active belief. Trust in him. And it cannot be had apart from faith. It is from faith to faith. In other words, uh, kind of maybe first to last, another way to say that. In other words, again, it was the plan all along. So God is after a people, not just the Jews, but also the Gentiles. And he's after people, and he does in a way that constantly shows his faithfulness in spite of the unfaithfulness of the people of this world including his covenant people, Israel. If there's one story you constantly see over and over and over again in the Old Testament is they were unfaithful. Not all of them. There are always packets of remnants that held strong. But this overall theme is that the unfaithfulness of, of the Jewish people highlighted the faithfulness of God. And his righteousness is in that faithfulness that brings us to a place that what, what was foreshadowed, what was promised, came in the gospel in Jesus. So the righteousness that we have from him comes because we live by faith. Amen. So I'm going to stop there. But that sort of sets up as we start jumping into Romans more. So right away, Paul um, he jumps into the wickedness of the Gentiles. Jumps right into it. And then, then he, he has this, this section that draws uh, as a connecting point. He's like, and you got to quit judging people because you guys who judge, you do the same thing. Then he gets after the Jewish believers. Oh, your reliance on the law. And he, he just goes after them. And, and he gets after both of them, both groups, to say, for all, all, everybody, there's no favoritism here. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's Romans. But are freely justified, right? By him. By who? Him. Okay, so this is where Romans is going. So Paul just wants us to know, he's setting this up. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is in the gospel, Jesus, the power of God. The righteousness of who he is revealed in Jesus. Did you, know, did you know that when Jesus came, he didn't come to change God's mind about people? Jesus came from him to reveal the righteousness of him who sent him to die on the cross for us. It wasn't like Jesus came down and said, hey, God, Whoa, I know they're a bunch of sinners, but it's okay. You don't have to kill them all. Hold off a little bit. And God's like, all right, I'll listen to you. You know, who sent Jesus? God, why? For salvation. 
Jesus isn't changing God's mind. Jesus is God. And, and in Jesus, God is fully revealed in this world. Amen. And the access to it is those who live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. Amen? Okay. Well, I hope that that was a good starter enough that you come back next Wednesday. We'll keep going. Hopefully we'll get into chapter 3 next Wednesday. We'll, we'll kind of move a little quicker. So, anyways, and there's no hardly good place to stop because one thing leads to another thing and leads to another thing, so you kind of almost leave little cliffhangers every Wednesday to come back next week. All right? Sound good? All right, let's pray. Lord, I thank you. Be able to come to your house tonight. I know it's a little warm, but it's okay. It's okay. Third world problems right here. We're glad to come. And I, I thank you for our worship to you tonight. I pray that that is pleasing to you. I thank you for our time in the Word as we're going to dig into this great book of Romans in, in your Bible. And I pray that we are people eager to share the gospel. We're not ashamed of the gospel. We understand the power of, of you in it. And I pray that we are people that live by faith in righteousness. Help us, Lord. Help us be that. In Jesus' name, we all say. Amen. Ah, be blessed Sunday morning. Pastor Rick Burks is going to be here to bless you, so invite somebody out. Have a very good uh, night. We'll see you Sunday.